It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We spent a lot of time talking about the Bengals offseason and the draft this week. Today we're joined by PFF's Sam Monson to take a first look at this year's draft class. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, joined today by PFF's Sam Monson to talk about the NFL draft. You can find Sam, of course, at PFF underscore Sam on Twitter and on the PFF NFL podcast with Steve Palazzolo over with the great work they're doing over at Pro Football Focus. This podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow anywhere you get your podcasts and we'll be delivered to your devices when we upload our content every day. And Sam, the combine right around the corner, you just did your episode with Steve on how to fix all the AFC North teams. So I know you're ready with your offseason plan for the Bengals. Maybe before we talk about where the draft is strong and weak and the guys you're interested in watching at the combine and whether the Bengals should use their first round draft pick on Bijan Robinson if he's available, because this has been a hot topic in Bengals Twitter. Can, can you just run through the, the summary, the synopsis? And I think you and Steve were in agreement on, on the offseason plan for the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I think largely they're in a pretty good spot. They didn't need to do too much um, craziness. I think that the big things we've been talking about are, you know, obviously they have these big contracts upcoming, the the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins types of deals. And... um you know, we I think are both in agreement that they should try and keep those three guys together as long as humanly possible. Make sure that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are never separated. And if you're going to go somewhere else with the money, T. Higgins makes a lot of sense. Um, keeping that kind of nucleus together going forward is probably a huge deal when you look at the landscape and the rest of the teams that Cincinnati is going to have to get past to make it back to a Super Bowl. Uh Love what they did last offseason. I think they did a great job of overhauling that offensive line. I still think they can keep going at that, that they're not, not 100% set yet with the the group that they have there. Um, there are still improvements they can make. And then just generally a little bit of tinkering around the edges. I think they've future-proofed that secondary in a pretty good spot. Um, Dax Hill presumably steps in to, to one starting safety spot this offseason. Cam Taylor-Britt at corner as well. And then if they could keep a Von Bell around and not have, you know, the majority of the secondary leaving in one offseason, I think that would probably be a pretty useful move. I know that a draft crush of this podcast is was, I should say, Juan Thornhill, who is also a free agent, who I wouldn't hate. Von Bell, Juan Thornhill, pick one, uh, get a solid veteran safety in there. So you're not leaning on a couple of young guys. I, I could certainly see that. One position that is unsettled, you talked about the offensive line, is right tackle for the Bengals. Lyle Collins with the late-season ACL knee explosion injury that has his status, I think, in a little bit of doubt 
for maybe a lot of doubt given his history for for next season. Right tackle, a position that the Bengals need to address. Can't be Hakeem Adenogy out there. We, we've seen him in a couple of opportunities now. Hope is not a plan for the offensive line we'd like to say on this podcast. So given the draft, what, what can you tell me about offensive tackle in the first and second rounds? Is there a guy there that you – or a group of guys perhaps? Is, is it, does it line up with where the Bengals are picking this year in your opinion? Yeah, I think there are some offensive tackles they could go with. I also think, though, it's a reasonable free agent group for mm-hmm. just kind of get what they did last year, you know, just sort of getting a, an average starting caliber tackle. I think those kinds of guys are available in free agency, and you could bring in somebody like Jermaine Illuminor from the Raiders or Kelvin Beecham as the guy Steve's trying to send everywhere as their um, you well, know, is the hot name here. Yeah. Yeah. As their emergency starter or a swing tackle. Like I think that was actually a really sound way of treating this last year of, of let's try and get a few guys in at a modest amount of money that we know are guaranteed upgrades, not, you know, mess around in the draft, trying to find a guy who may or may not be an upgrade based off how he plays in year one. Let's get an almost certain upgrade going. And then we go into the draft with a lot more flexibility to, you know, add to future proofing spots or, or just pick the best player available or whatever. So for them, I think they can definitely get a tackle where they're picking, but I would be really interested in trying to get one of those guys coming in who won't break the bank, but will definitely upgrade what they have. And you're right. Like Lyle Collins, given his injury history and the injury he suffered is a pretty big question mark, but quietly, he wasn't great as a pass blocker last season anyway. He was right. a huge upgrade in the run game, but he's been a lo- he was a long way away from what he used to be before he had all of these injuries. So I think it would be kind of smart to address that area anyway, even if he was 100% healthy this offseason. Yeah, I think either way, it's a draft to tackle. Spot for the Bengals, Jonah Williams on the fifth-year option, coming off of his worst year as a pass blocker as a pro Dealt with some injuries, dislocated both kneecaps, yeah. which is crazy and, and unlucky. Uh, and, and mostly was bad against Miles Garrett, right? Like he was right. okay for a lot of the season. Was bad against Miles Garrett. Has a good track record as a solid left tackle. A lot of Bengals fans talking about Mike McGlinchey this week, talking about Orlando Brown this week. And, you know, we've talked about that plenty. But is there a guy that you like as that? Maybe, maybe he's not ready to play right away. Maybe it's Anton Harrison. Maybe he needs a little bit of polish, right, where all the tools are there. The Bengals like to draft for the future. A lot of young tackles, Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison, Dewan, Dewan Jones, all younger guys in this draft class. Do you, do you feel like it's deep at tackle? I mean, I, I've heard people talking about this isn't a very good draft class in general. How is it a tackle? I think it's a reasonable draft class to tackle. Um, Dewan Jones is the guy that really intrigues me. Just that incredible wingspan, you know, the largest wingspan we've ever measured. His movement skills are good. He's not like he gets compared because of his size sometimes to a guy like Daniel Falele from, you know, a year or so ago from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He moves better than him. He's not the same kind of guy. I think he's got a lot more ability to survive on the edge with his movement skills before you even get to the fact that he's giant and you know has that kind of physical ability showed really well at the senior bowl when he was down there i think that's an important um sort of feather in his cap for showing he can be a good player going forward and i think he would be a really interesting guy to bring in the jonah williams thing 
the the injuries I think are an important point for him because it was definitely his worst season in the NFL. Gave up 12 sacks over the season, which tied for the league lead, and it's obviously a huge number. But I, I'd kind of I'd almost forgotten that he'd suffered those injuries, and I remember once they, they came back to mind, I remember thinking that like that was going to put him out for a, a long time, and it didn't at all. He got back in the lineup pretty quickly after the dislocated kneecap. The first I mean, one never, he played through, same game. Right. He, he missed I, like a quarter maybe. I've never played offensive tackle with a dislocated kneecap, but I don't imagine it's fun. And I, I yeah. can imagine that, you know, that, that can make a difference when you're trying to block Miles Garrett. So I, I would have a reasonable amount of confidence that he will have a better year next year than he has this season. And every year up until now has been, you know, solid left tackle play. We'll get back to our interview with Sam Munson of Pro Football Focus, but today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You've heard me talk about Built Bars a ton on Locked on Bengals. What are Built Bars? Well, they're the number one protein bar on the planet. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. And when you're thinking about health, and yes, they're healthy, you're not sacrificing taste. And that's the part that really matters when you're talking about Built Bars. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They taste great. They come in a bunch of different flavors, and now they're more available than ever. Not only can you go to Built.com to get them, but you can also check them out at your local Walmart and Sam's Club store. So maybe you want to get a bulk 13-bar box at Sam's Club. You can do that, or you can check them out in person at Walmart as well. So don't delay. Go get the number one protein bar on the planet today. Yes, I meant to rhyme. And yes, you should go to built.com or Sam's Club or Walmart and try one today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. On the topic of the offensive line, before we talk about the rest of the draft, I don't mean for this to be entirely focused on the offensive line. Uh, A quick question about what you know about stability of certain metrics in PFF. I was looking at true pass set pass blocking grade and how stable that is. I went back the last five years and looked at guards that played at least 50% of their team snaps as, as a, in, in one of their first two years and, and kind of looked at that number as it progressed. It looks like a remarkably stable metric with a few outliers making big jumps, making jumps of more than maybe five points in terms of the grading average. So talking about Cordell Volson, who I think is going to start at left guard for the Bengals next year, they tend to give these guys extra chances to to show that they belong as starters. Is there a reasonable expectation that he could take a leap like that year two leap? He was an older rookie, but it's a big it's a big jump from North Dakota State to the NFL. So there, there's some confounding factors there. Yeah, it is generally a stable number, um, but it's also I mean, it obviously the idea of is is it strips out all the stuff that doesn't really mean anything but can potentially affect uh just a sort of general pressure rate or general performance and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff it gets rid of those types of plays that really only muddy the waters when it comes to that kind of thing so theoretically it should be a better number than the things people are using otherwise um 
So I think it is pretty stable year to year and does do a pretty good job of predicting future play. But um, young offensive linemen tend to take a little bit of time to develop. Like those guys have a relatively slow development curve relative to other positions in the NFL. And that gets um, kind of made a mockery of sometimes when you have guys like Tristan Wirth step in and is like Mm -hmm. a top five tackle from the day he stepped foot on the NFL. You know, and there's a few guys like that who were able to come in right away and immediately look like they belong. And they're some of the best players in the league. But a lot of offensive linemen, the majority of them, I think, have a pretty, they take a while. And sometimes it's not even year two, it's year three before you see a real jump in those guys. And you have to, you know, live through a certain amount of growing pains before you're going to get the the high end version of that player. Um, And I think that's a difficult balance for teams to figure out how much time you give an offensive lineman that you believe in versus you know coming to the realization that you're wrong and that you have your faith in a guy that's never actually going to produce at that kind of level i think it's easier for teams to keep faith with a guy when he was a high draft pick and you have a lot invested in him etc etc when he's not when you don't have that amount invested in him it's a lot easier to go "Eh, maybe this guy's never going to get there we didn't love him to begin with Let's let's start looking for alternatives. So probably not fairly. This is probably a make or break year for Volson. And and he's a guy that we liked coming out and I think has the ability to step up. But he needs to kind of accelerate that jump. He probably can't wait until year three. It needs to be this season. I think he is very well liked by the coaching staff for what it's worth. One of those guys that, you know, coaches love to say he does everything the right way. He's one of those guys. And that's why he won the job coming out of training camp. And so I think he does have a leash. This coaching staff in general has been pretty long leash for a lot of guys. If they do things the right way, I'm going to use that in air quotes because I think that's really important to them. The culture thing is really important to them. So is there anything there with the age though for older rookies or, or is it really an NFL experience thing? Would you say? Yeah, I think, I think um, I haven't actually like the same age as John Williams. Right. I haven't looked at that specifically for offensive linemen. Um, okay. I'm, I'm sure there's probably something to that, but he's got a lot of confounding factors when you think of age, the level of competition he came to, mm-hmm. plus you know where he was drafted and therefore what he has to go through. He's going to be a pretty fascinating test case uh, for a lot of these things going forward. So let's shift gears and, and get out of the offensive line world a little bit, but certainly if you have points to make about the draft in general, as they pertain to the offensive line, don't shy away. But talking about this draft class on the whole, I I mentioned it earlier, a lot of discussion around, oh, maybe this isn't the strongest draft class we've seen in recent years, but certainly there are some positions that seem to be deep and seem to be relatively strong. Where, Where do you think the strengths are in this draft class, especially in, in the early part in days one and two and maybe early day three? Where, where do you like the depth in this class? I think um, it's one of the best running back classes we've seen in years for for, okay. for all for all the teams care about that now or people care about that in this world of running backs don't matter. And we've diminished the value of them like this is as strong a running back group as you're going to see. Um, I think it's really strong at corner as well. Uh, there may be. Maybe there isn't a Sauce Gardner in this group on the basis that there isn't a Sauce Gardner in most classes, but the depth at cornerback I think is really, really strong. There's a lot of guys that are going to go in the first couple of rounds, um, and it looks like one of the most deep cornerback classes that we've seen come out in years. 
The Bengals like to draft for the future. I think cornerback is absolutely in play. Chidobe Abuzia on the last year of his deal. Mike Hilton has two more years on his deal, of course, so he's around for the Joe Burrow rookie contract windows entirety, which will extend even after extension um, a couple more years here. But I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them go with a cornerback in the first round. But let's talk about that running back. Deep running back class. And Bijan Robinson said to be, and we get this a lot, but maybe actually is, the generational running back prospect. So let's start there. Is Bijan Robinson, in your opinion, a generational once in 10 years running back prospect? Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably the best running back that PFF has seen come into the draft. PFF has been grading since 2014 in the college. So the only other guy I think that would be in that conversation would be Saquon Barkley. I think there were enough concerns about what Saquon Barkley did badly you know, his his propensity to bounce everything outside, sort of not necessarily hitting every hole where he should, that I would give the nod to Bijan Robinson over Barkley. So I think it's it's those two, maybe Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, depending on where you were on those two guys. But I mean, he's probably the best running back to come along since maybe Adrian Peterson. That's what, 2007. So I think that qualifies. I mean, he's, he's the best would, running yeah. back that's come into the league in a long, long time. So given that, if you're Duke Tobin and the Bengals, and I don't think Bijan Robinson is necessarily available where the Bengals are drafting, but as you mentioned, right. the league continues to devalue the position. And, and obviously this is a difficult question to answer in a vacuum, but are you sitting there like the Arrested Development meme and thinking, but maybe it will work for us? as the contender who's going to draft a running back late in the first round to, to push him over the hump. Do you make that move? Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on the motivations for the move. Like I, I've come around a little bit on the concepts of where you draft running backs and, and whether they're worth a first round pick at all. I think if your motivations for drafting a running back in the first round is this guy will fix the run game, like what the Steelers did with Najee Harris that's a bad move because the process is silly. The process, the thought process is just wrong. A running back is not going to fix your run game if the run game is broken because there's too much other things involved in it. And Najee Harris is perfect proof of that. He's been a really good running back, but the Steelers' offensive line doesn't run block well, and so they haven't had the run game even though Najee Harris has been good. So if that's the motivation, that like, hey, we need to really improve the run game, let's draft a running back, it's bad. If you just value a really good running back and you already have the environment in place for that guy to have success, then I don't think there's a problem with drafting a running back in the first round because the contract that those guys are on is not expensive, particularly the lower down the first round you get. I think that stops becoming true once you get beyond a certain point up in the first round. Like if you're talking top 10 running back, now I think it's a different conversation. But if you're drafting a guy in the 20s, that's not an expensive contract if that guy becomes as good as you think he's going to be. So if Cincinnati simply views him as the best player available and maybe they've gotten rid or you know, v- dramatically reduced the amount of money that Joe Mixon is going to be getting paid, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad, a bad kind of substitute or a bad alternative going forward. But I, I'm with you. I, I don't really see a way that he lasts as long as, what, 20, 28 We'll get back to our interview with Sam Munson of Pro Football Focus in just a second. But today's show is brought to you 
by Ultimate Football GM. You have opinions about what the Bengals should do in free agency this offseason in the draft. So much more, right? Well, put that to the test with Ultimate Football GM because you can become the GM of your own franchise and hire the right coaches and coordinators, trade players, navigate the franchise through free agency, the draft, the ups and downs of a season, and so much more. And yes, you can be placed on the hot seat as well. I know some of our locked on NFL hosts that got fired because they weren't getting the job done. Ultimate Football GM is challenging, it's realistic, and it's going to be perfect for you. Check it out today. And by the way, it is playable offline so you don't need an internet connection if you're flying or you have bad connection while you're traveling that's not a big deal you can play on your phone mobile device anyway so locked on bengals listeners they're going to get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all capitals again that's locked on in all capitals so make sure you check it out today to download the game just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app store again ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm Start your dynasty today. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So, so given that, though, B. John Robinson, great player, but really good running back depth. And there's an opportunity cost, of course, when you're talking about mm-hmm. using your 28th pick on, on a running back who... From an offensive fit perspective, I think there's an interesting conversation there, too. The Bengals love to go 11. They love to drop back and pass it 40 times a game. They like to use the running game as a change of pace. They get, what, the third most light boxes or something like that. And the NFL or Joe Mixon faced the third most light boxes on the the chart that I, I think I saw tweeted out on Thursday morning. So, Reasons to think that, hey, Bijan could come in and, and could be a really good runner for them, could maybe force teams to dedicate more resources to the box a little bit more often. Maybe he's a better receiving back. Maybe he can stay in on three downs and pass block as well, which is really why Joe Mixon has been a part-time back for most of his career. But there's all this depth, right? So, so how do you balance that, knowing that this is a strong running back class and knowing that guys – come out of the seventh round and the fourth round and the fifth round all the time to go on and be really, really good. Like Ramondre Stevenson comes to mind, really, really good running backs in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think no draft pick happens in a vacuum, right? So it's always going to depend what the board looks like by the time it rolls around to that pick. I'm, I'm simply saying that like from a conceptual point of view, I don't think there's anything wrong with drafting a guy like B. John Robinson at number 28, if he ends up being there. Now, if it turned out, that 
you know, Devin Witherspoon, say, was somehow available at number 28. And now your choice is Devin Witherspoon or Bijan Robinson. Now I think it's it's not a good thing to do because yeah. all of a sudden the concept has completely changed. You're talking the best corner on the board, a guy that's supposed to go in the top 10, maybe even, you know, as high as five or six is sitting there at your pick. And instead you draft a first round running back. That I think is is a different conversation and crazy. But like from a just a broad um abstract terms there's nothing wrong with taking a guy there the other thing is um i think that already does factor in position value uh, opportunity costs that you can get a guy lower down Bijan yeah. robinson could arguably be the number one player in this draft in terms of just abstract draft grade right if you didn't factor in positional value and just like who is the best player in this draft relative to the the competition relative to everybody else he might be the number one graded player in this draft but he plays running back so he might last as low as you know the late 20s you're already kind of correcting for opportunity cost and, and market right. uh, and and position value at that point and it becomes all right is he that much better or are you that much more confident that he'll be great than whatever guy you're going to pick in the fourth round because you know you can get running backs later on versus you know the fifth best uh cornerback or the third best tackle or you know whatever that looks like there that i think is there's always that kind of in addition to just how good is a player there's a confidence level of how how confident are you of your evaluation of a particular player which we know nfl teams are perfect at they never miss evaluations and that's why we don't talk at all about taking more. No, I'm being very sarcastic to everyone watching who doesn't get it. You, we, there's a lot of evidence that teams should take more swings whenever possible, accumulate draft picks because they generally tend to trust their evaluations too much. Let's shift gears again. Let's talk tight ends. Tight end makes sense for the Bengals. They have mm-hmm. one, I believe, under contract, and that's Mitchell Wilcox, their third tight end. And I like Mitchell Wilcox. He has some funny highlights out there. One catch in particular on like a relatively busted coverage where he's got two hands on the ball and he's looking around over his shoulder on a fourth down to make sure he doesn't get caught from behind. But the Bengals are going to add a tight end of some sort, whether it's in free agency or in the draft. We know they wanted to draft a tight end last year. They couldn't quite find the value they wanted based on how last year's draft went. How far does this depth go? There's obviously the four guys at the top that everyone's talking about as potential first rounders, but is it is it strong throughout, in your opinion? Um, I think it's stronger than we've seen for a while, but I do think there's a drop-off after those first few guys. I think there's a gap before you start talking about tight ends again in the mid-rounds. Um, but those top few are it's a really strong class at the top. Like we were in this world where tight ends, teams are very reluctant to take these guys in the first round. And we could have you know multiple tight ends going in the first round this year. Like that's I think a very different conversation that we've been having for a while. Mm-hmm. If you if you kind of put Kyle Pitts to the side as being something slightly different to a tight end because he didn't right. go number four overall because he's a really good tight end. He went number four overall because he's some sort of you know freak unicorn athlete that could do anything. So so where's the fit? What, what do you think? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you balance the general learning curve for tight ends that we see where a lot of times it takes a couple of years if you're the Bengals? Do, do you just approach that and say, you know, I'm going to make sure I get a Foster Moreau or bring back Hayden Hurst, and then I'm going to draft a guy as well 
because, you know, I want to make sure I have the veteran there. Much like we talked about with right tackle. If you're the Bengals, you want to make sure you have a veteran at that spot. Yeah, and I, I think teams are deploying multiple tight ends as well. It's not as, you know, it's not that every team is running uh, two tight end sets every play or even the majority of their offense, but teams are rotating through tight ends and using mm-hmm. them in different roles a lot more now than they used to. So you can have tight ends with different roles. And if you have a guy that's very um, sort of, specific to one skill set you can get him on the field and not necessarily ask him to do a bunch of things that he isn't great at doing so yeah i would i would be all for trying to build in a little bit of insurance and insulation in addition to the tight end that you draft but you know a guy like michael mayer from um notre dame is is a complete tight end like that guy can do everything i think there's a pretty good chance he can step in and be good at everything day one and and be your alpha tight end right out of the box. Last one to talk about with the combine coming up. Anyone you're really excited to to see that's going to maybe affect where their draft stock goes the most. I'm thinking about Kalijah Kansi as one example. Just right. given his his size, like the the athleticism is clearly there. Mm-hmm. But what's he going to weigh in at? Right, he's six foot. I, we think about Geno Atkins all the time, of course, in Cincinnati. Similar mold probably a well not probably definitely was a stronger player i think than what we've seen from Kansi on tape so far in terms of holding point of attack using power as well as part of his game are there names that, that jump out to you that the combine is a big deal for them yeah i think that's a good one that you named i'm really intrigued to see what jackson smith and jigba is able to put up in terms of numbers speed in particular because that's going to be a knock on him from a lot of people mm-hmm. um and then obviously this is the first time we're going to get some numbers put to this like meme that is bryce young at this point like what what are our <laughs> official numbers going to be are we are we going as low as 510 are we going even lower than that are we going to end up like they're talking about him trying to get to you know 200 pounds or something by the combine through presumably just pure water weight and whatever else he can pack on like I, whatever number he ends up weighing in is, as well a everybody immediately is going to be a mentally taking 10 pounds off that right off the, the bat but even then it might not be anything more than like 190 pounds wild it's a, it's an interesting quarterback class for sure and uh, th- that's no, no exception to the rule. Sam, appreciate your time today talking a little bit about the draft, a little bit about off-season strategy, some, some good notes on running back value in the draft. And, and that's going to be a debate, I think, that happens uh, among Bengals fans quite a bit. And, and I don't know if Jameer Gibbs is going to enter that conversation or not, but, but we'll see as things go. Uh, you can go find Sam, of course, on the PFF NFL podcast. Most recent episode about the free agency class. We're, of course, looking way ahead. We're talking about the draft today, but some good notes there with uh, also a friend of the show, Brad Spielberger, talking about the free agency class. You can go check that out over on the PFF NFL podcast on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. And Sam, appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 